Hi, everybody. This is Mandy Moss. Welcome to the Brave Girls Gather B1 Studies podcast. In this episode, we are going to introduce the Better Word Study and talk about how to get the most out of our next 10 weeks together. God gave me the vision for this group back in the summer of this past year. And what he put on my heart is to gather a group of multi-generational women. And the reason why I put that on my heart is I have a nonprofit organization. It's a ministry. It's called Brave Girls Gather. And our vision is to refuse to leave the next generation behind. We believe that God has called us to interlock arms and that all of us have a generation behind us. And if we all do our part, guess what? From the youngest to the oldest is not going to get left behind. And so I believe in a space that invites all different women of all different ages into a room to search for Jesus together. And so I have a few women in my life who have really taken the time to invest in me, to pour into me, and it has made the difference. I'm standing here tonight because of women who saw me and invested in my life. I would not be here if it wasn't for the women who taught me how to find Jesus and follow Jesus. And one of those women actually was a prayer warrior, and she was my husband's grandmother. And she recently passed away, and I was preparing for her funeral. And this is a woman who lived an exemplary life of faith. She wanted to make sure that you knew who Jesus was. If she met you, she wanted to know that you knew who Jesus was. And she was concerned about your eternal destination. And she was a prayer warrior. If you had a prayer request, you can trust that she prayed for you. And if you didn't have a prayer request, if she knew you, she was probably praying for you. She prayed for my husband, her grandson, that he would marry a woman who would turn him to Jesus. Now, when she met me, I was not that woman. Okay? I was not that woman. I was not following Jesus. So if you're praying for something right now, and it looks like what you're praying for, the opposite is happening, you don't know what God is going to do. And so after we got married, after my husband and I got married, I learned of this prayer. And a year into our marriage is when I started to follow Jesus. I found Jesus, and I started to follow Jesus. And when I found Jesus and fell in love with Jesus with all of my heart, mind, and soul, I felt someone must have been praying for me. And I believe a lot of people were praying for me, but I also know that it was her prayers. So getting ready for her funeral. How do you honor a woman like this, right? You got to to dress the part for the funeral, okay? So I went and got myself a dress. Just a moment. And then I needed a pair of cute black earrings to go with my dress. And so I went to Francesca's. Anybody like Francesca's? Any Francesca fans in the room? Love Francesca's. I go to Francesca's and I find myself a cute pair. They're cute, right? Cute pair of black earrings. And I later on that night, I go to open them. The funeral is the next day. And I go to open them, you guys. And one of the little tassels fell off. I was like, no, it can't. It can't fall apart. And then another tassel fell off. And I started to look and I started to go, what's wrong with these? Like, I can't even find a place like how the tassel fell off. It was completely bizarre. Because at first, when the first one fell off, I thought, well, maybe I could put it back together. And then another one fell off. And then another one fell off. And I could not find, I kid you not, I could not find in the structure of the earring how the tassels were falling off. And then in my hand, I had the the earring in my hand and it was having its own funeral in my hand as I was mourning and grieving over this. And And all of a sudden, God just spoke into my heart, it's broken. It's broken in your hand. And then he said, I fix broken 
things. And he put on my heart that he wanted me to go back to Francesca's. And the woman who checked me out, he wanted me to tell her that he fixes broken things. And I did. And this was hours later. This was like four hours later. And she was still there. But I knew it was him. And I got to tell her how Jesus fixes broken things. And I think he wants to tell more than her that. He wants to tell you that too. I got myself a new earring. And that is a picture of what Jesus does for us. He makes us new. He doesn't just put it back together. In 1 Corinthians 5.17 it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. If you are in Christ, you are being made into a new creation. And his word promises you that he will finish the work. And in Revelation 21.5, it says, And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he also said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He wanted us to write it down. That's Jesus in the end, sitting on the throne. Write this down. I'm making all things new. So whatever in your life feels old or worn out or beat down or like there just ain't any life left in it. God is saying, I am making all things new. It doesn't matter what it is. If something is still broken, he's not finished. He wants to take our story and he wants to rewrite it for his glory. And we're going to be talking a lot about that in the weeks to come. We are going to see, we're going to study the book of Hebrews, you guys. And I want to tell you, Yuma, she's not here tonight. She wishes she could be here tonight, but she is going to be here next week. And um, she is my Brazilian friend. And you know what she told me as we were, we were putting together some of this stuff, she said, Mandy, and I'm going to try to talk like her, and maybe she'll hear this recording and laugh. But she said, Mandy, Hebrews is like a big chocolate pie with mousse on top and whipped cream and chocolate and chocolate chips. It's so good. It's so good. And that's what I hope that you all experience as we go through this study together. I hope it is as good as eating chocolate pie every time you open your Bible. That is my prayer for you guys. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to pray for that for you every single week that doing this study is like eating chocolate pie. So... Tonight, I want to kind of put that study over to the side because we're going to do our intro study to the study work this week. But I want to talk more about our time together here and what it's like and why we're here and how do we make the most out of our time together when we are here on Thursday nights. And so I want to back up a little bit. And I told you guys that God gave me this vision in 2015 to refuse to leave the next generation behind. When he gave me that vision... I was like, Lord, I don't know what that means. He gave it to me at a women's event. And I had two young kids at the time. I have four kids, but two were young. And I didn't have any extra time in my life. So I didn't know how I was supposed to do any of the things that I felt like God was putting on my heart in that season. And so he just had me to be still during that season. And he taught me a lot. And he taught me about why we need one another. He showed me my own story. And he also showed me the next generation. Did you know? that 70%, 70% of young people between the ages of 18 and 22 walk away from the church for at least one year. At least one year they walk away. Do you know 
The number one reason why. Throw some guesses at me. We can talk. No community? Okay. Boring. Anybody else? Do what? They're partying, right? They found something better. They thought they found something better, right? But they didn't because Jesus is better. And we're going to learn that through this study. Jesus is better. Hebrews is the book of faith, and it's also the book of better things. It talks about all the reasons why Jesus is better. But the number one reason is they don't think that Jesus is better. They don't think that Jesus is relevant right now. He's pie in the sky when you die. He's not relevant right now. They don't need him right now. They'll just say the prayer before they're gone and those poop end up in heaven. They don't understand why Jesus matters right now. And so I believe that when we are walking the way that God told us to walk, when we are truly following Jesus, it's an attractive faith and it's way better than anything else in this world has to offer. And so in 2017, I'm just going to give you guys a quick history here. It all makes sense. It's all going to come together. I asked a friend of mine, I said, hey, if I invited some young girls over to my house, because I had a teenage boy at the time, I just knew some high school girls. I said, hey, if I just invite them, invite them over and we threw some questions down on the table and we just had this brave conversation and we just saw what happened, would you be game for that? And she said, yes, and we did it. And it was amazing and it was awesome. And the reason why we call it brave conversations is because we invite the girls to tell the truth. Because why? Jesus is the truth. And the truth sets us free. That's what the word says. The truth sets us free. So when we get open and honest about where we're struggling, about where it's hard, about maybe even where we're doubting that God's even real because it's so hard. And if he's so real, then why does this suck so bad? And when we tell the truth, when we saw them tell the truth, it's like you could just see them come alive. And so that's what I want to invite you into whenever we go into any conversation, because each week we're going to have our study content and we are going to be sharing about what we wrote down. And I want to encourage you to just kind of take the mask off. We have two guardrails for this for this um, group. They're called guardrails. Whenever we go into conversation time, we want to and, and even just actually throughout the study, whenever you're writing down your answers, at home when you're doing the study content, I want to encourage you to do two things. Guardwells keep us on the road. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to just like show up here on Thursday night and at the end be like, yeah, that was a cool thing I did. I want to be changed. Who wants to be changed? I want to leave here changed. And I want to leave here knowing some of you guys better. And that happens when we do two things. And they're on your introductory letter, which you can take home. And take a look at later if you want, or you can just look at it now if you want to, whatever whatever you choose. There's no, no real rules here. Uh, but the first one is be honest. Be honest. And that's what I was just talking about. Being open and honest about the places where we struggle, the places where it's hard. Because we want God to move upon our confession. We want to see him show up in it. And just getting the words out sometimes, like taking the enemies like in our heads. He, he, you know, he, The enemy just like throws lies at us all the time. And it's like, I kind of picture like a hamster on a wheel, you know, and our head is just going around and around and around and around and all the thoughts are going around. But once we say them, they get out. So they stop going around and around. We get it out and we say it. And then the second guardrail that we want to put out to keep ourselves on the road throughout this study is to be open. And what that means is be open to anything that God wants to do. Like maybe you came in and you're like, hey, I'm just going to go on Thursday nights and I'm just going to learn more about God, and I'm just going to study the Bible with these women. And maybe you should already have some ideas, or maybe you have no idea. But whatever idea you have, I just want to encourage you to be open 
that God might want to do something different and God might want to do more. So be honest and be open. So what happened after 2017, after I gathered with my friend and these girls, we kept doing it. And then we started to share it and people wanted to know, like, how, what are you doing? How are you doing? That sounds so fun. And so we started posting it on my blog website at the time so that people could just download questions and have great conversations of their own. And in 2018, we incorporated into a ministry and God started to expand things a little bit. And he started to expand my vision and he started to show me the reason why you know Jesus like you do is because someone poured into you. And what I was saying in the beginning, everyone has a generation behind them. And when everyone does their part, the youngest generation doesn't get left behind. They see us on fire for Jesus. They see us living for Jesus. They see that Jesus matters. We're showing them a picture of Jesus matters. And we're showing them even how Jesus in another person matters. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I need Jesus in a person. I need Jesus like speak to me through somebody else. And that alone right there is enough for me to be able to walk through some super tough, super hard things. And so this past summer, I felt God putting on my heart, host a Bible study, invite women of all ages. And I did it. And I saw the beauty. You know, I think that the biggest divide for women is probably the oldest generation to the youngest, right? There's like, there's so many different things going on. But I believe that God has planted something special in every single generation. And that every generation needs what the other generations had. And they have to, they have to pass that down. It has to get passed. And so what I saw in that room of women sharing is I saw older women sharing from their perspective. And I saw younger women sharing from their perspective. And they were different perspectives, but both perspectives were very, very good. And so there was learning that was happening. And so I want to take you, if you brought your Bible, I want to invite you to open it up to Exodus chapter 17. I believe what I'm about to show you is a picture of what God wants for us in community. And I hope that you see the power of what happens when we do life this way. So, starting in verse 8. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of the nearby hill. So let me just paint this picture for you. Moses is the leader of the Israelite people. Joshua, there's a lot in the Bible about Joshua, and some might not know that he was actually in the picture back in Exodus. Joshua was the one, he's kind of known as that, that, that courageous warrior of the Bible. He's the one who actually took the Israelites who were wandering in the desert into the land that God had promised them. Moses led them through the desert but he didn't get to go into the promised land. He had to pass off his duty to Joshua. And here we see much earlier than when Joshua took those people, we see Moses doing something for Joshua. Number one, he told him to go to battle. He told him to go to battle, but he did not tell him to go alone. 
He said, go get some men and go fight. And then it says that he was going to go up to the top of the hill. But guess what? He didn't go alone either. It says that Aaron and her climbed to the top of the hill with him. Nobody was alone. Moses was on top of the hill. Joshua was at the bottom of the hill with his army fighting. So my question for you, are you going alone? Who is standing on the hilltop for you when you are in the midst of the battle? Moses was up at the top of the hill interceding for Joshua. Joshua could not win without Moses. He needed him on the top of the hill. Who's on the top of the hill for you? Who are you standing on the top of the hill for? Who's at battle? Who's fighting? What young person is fighting at the top, at the bottom of the hill, and you're on the top interceding for them? As long, we're going to jump back into verse 11. As long as Moses held up the staff, he held the staff of God in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalek, the Amalek, the Amalekites gained the advantage. I love this part. Verse 12. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and her found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. And so Moses on the top of the hill interceding for Joshua brings Joshua the victory. Who is your Joshua? Who is your Moses? We all need it. We all need a Joshua and we all need a Moses. And I think we need more than one. But this is a picture. And you know what? When I think about Moses, I don't know if anybody in this room has any prodigal children. Okay. Believe it or not, I do. I'm old enough to have children that age. I'm like Moses is like that 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 mom on top of the mountain. And she's just like... Her arms are in the air and she's pacing and she's praying and she's she's just begging God for her child. And then she's got an Aaron and a her on the side of her. And they're finding her a seat and they're holding up their arm, holding up her arms and they're praying with her. Or maybe it's Moses is that woman who feels like God has called her to go into ministry or to start something big for God. And she's got her arms up and she's trying and she's praying and she's believing and she's got an army underneath her. And then she's got these two people beside her who are helping her find a seat and who are helping her hold her arms up. Or maybe it's that woman who's walking through something so brutally hard that she can't even breathe sometimes. And all she can do is just lift her hands and beg God to help. And she's got a woman on this side and she's got a woman on that side and they're finding her a seat and they're holding up her arms. This is a picture of the community that I believe that God calls us into. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it out loud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And then Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. They marked the moment. They won the battle and they marked the moment. 
And you're going to see in here at the end of our study, we're going to mark our time together. So I hope that all of you make it to the end because we're going to do something special in the end to remember our time together here. And so when I think about this story and I think about the community that God designed for us, I kind of get the picture of a cross. And I was going to have a cross for you here tonight, but I just couldn't work it out in time to kind of show you that. So I'm just going to ask you to use your imagination. We can do that, right? We can use our imagination. I want you to picture Moses on top and Joshua on the bottom and Aaron on the side and her on the side. Do you see it? Do you see Moses, Joshua, Aaron, her? I believe this is cross-shaped community. I believe God's that cool. Right? He can just create visuals out of things like that to show us that that's what he desires. Now, I'm going to tell you a sad part of this story. Joshua was amazing. He was brave. He was courageous. He was faith-filled. He took the Israelites across a raging river and into, across the Jordan and into the promised land where there were giants and he defeated them and he secured the promised land. But there's one thing that he didn't do and it's in Judges chapter two. We're not going to go there tonight. I'm just going to tell you. But in Judges chapter two, it says that when Joshua was gathered to his ancestors and the generation behind him was gathered to the, to their ancestors, the next generation did not know God or the good things that he had done. Is that crazy? They didn't know. And if you know the book of Judges, if you don't, that's okay. I'm going to tell you. It is a sad, sad story of the Israelites getting progressively and progressively and progressively further away from God. And so you're reading about some things. You're like, these are some crazy people. They believe in God. Well, it didn't look like it by the end of Judges. And then came the kings, and there was a little bit of redemption that happened there. So when I look at the world today, I don't know, guys. 70% of young people are walking away from the church. Do they know God and the good things that he has done? And I don't believe it's that difficult for them to know. All I believe that we have to do is we have to do it right. We have to seek God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. And then we have to do what God told Joshua to do, to write down something else my, my daughter said to me is she said, um, mommy, isn't it neat how grandma uh, was praying for you before she even knew you? She was praying for you. Isn't that neat to think that someone was praying for you? They didn't even know you. And I said, yeah, I said, maybe we should do that right now. Maybe we should pray for people who don't even know that we're going to pray for them. And we started praying for my grandchildren and my great grandchildren and her great grandchildren. And she goes, oh, whoa, 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 wait, mommy, how will they know we prayed for them? And I said, well, I guess we'll have to tell your children to tell their children. She says, that's the best idea. I'll tell my children to tell their children to tell their children. And they'll just know. And I think that's what we're supposed to do. I think we're supposed to live like Jesus is real. And I, 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 I know that there might be some of you in this room that are going, I don't really know that yet. And that's okay. You're welcome here. We're all figuring it out. But I believe that that is the type of community that God has called us into. And now I just want three volunteers to come up and show a quick visual visual for me. Can I just get three women to come up? Anybody? Don't be afraid. You? Yes. Anne, would you come up? Thank you. And then, let me see. Would you, would you come up? Yeah, please, please, thank you. Okay. All right, so I want to give you this this visual here. 
If you three would come right over here and stand on this side of the stage. All right, I'm going to move this so you can get a little closer to me. All right, in Philippians 1.27, I like to use my imagination when I read the word. I hope that you will too if you don't currently do that. But this is a letter from Paul to the church, and he's saying, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So would you guys stand side by side? Just stand side by side. Okay. So I think that we kind of do this good in church. We kind of stand like that sometimes. We come to Bible study and we have friends in our life, right? And so we stand side by side. But I kind of picture when I read this, when I think about the community that, that God designed, I, th- I think of arms being interlocked. And I want to show you kind of the power of that. And it kind of also makes a cross too. So it's kind of cool. So, but don't do it yet. Don't interlock your arms. Okay. So well, who do we have here? We have Patricia, Michelle, and Anne. Okay. So, Anne, would you step up for a minute? So let's say that Michelle has Patricia in her life. Patrice in her life. And Michelle, you're going through something hard. Okay? And you fall down. Go ahead and pretend like you fell down. No, no, you, not, yet. not yet, not yet, not You can kind of take a step over, Patrice. Do it again. Stand up. Yeah, there you go. Okay. That's good. All right. Yeah, you fairly knew, right? I mean, you didn't feel her. No, you did. You couldn't feel her, right? And I think that that happens in the church sometimes. We fall down, and nobody can feel that we fell down, so we're holding that all to ourselves. Okay, so now let's just stand back up. And so now Michelle has got her, an older sister in Christ who is really investing in her, and they're telling the truth and, and sharing the truth with one another. I want you to interlock arms. Okay? And now, Michelle, I want you to start to fall down. Please don't pull Patrice down. But yes. <laughs> can you feel it? Yeah. You can feel it. You can feel it. But now I want you to get on the other side of arms. Now she's found another woman in the church who's walking the faith-filled life for Jesus, who knows the truth about her. Now I want you to interlock arms. Okay. Now, Michelle, I want you to fall. So that's the cross faith community. And I believe what creates the interlock, I really believe I believe what creates the interlocking of the arms is the truth. If we don't tell the truth, we're just in here pretending. Thank you guys so much. In Ecclesiastes it says two is better than one, right? When Michelle had Patrice. You okay, Patrice? Okay. Um, when she had Patrice, it was better than just being by herself over here falling down, right? She had so, at least somebody who could kind of fill it a little bit and could kind of go in and, and kind of help. But when, then it says a three-stranded cord, and a cord, a three-stranded cord is wrapped together, cannot easily be broken. And it says if one falls down and they're not alone, another can help help them stand back up. And so that is another prayer for me, for you here, for you in this group is that you would be able to interlock arms with some women. Maybe they're going to be in this group. Maybe there's some women that you are already walking and doing life with that you're like, you know, I'm just going to get a little bit more honest. I'm just going to share a little bit more. I will tell you this right now. There's not a woman in here that's perfect. There is not a woman in here who feels like they got it all together. I don't. If I give you that impression, let me tell you I don't.